welcome to another edition of Conversations and Connections, the official podcast of the Family Crisis Center of East Texas. I'm Stuart Burson, the Prevention Coordinator for the agency, and today we're more or less wrapping up our four-part series on human trafficking. January, again, is Human Trafficking Awareness Month. So again, I have Maria Villarreal with me again. Hey, Maria. Hey, and we have a guest again today, and I appreciate, uh, and I hope I don't mess up your name or your titles or anything, and by all means, correct me, Lazaro Robles with the Department of Family and Protective Services. Did I get that right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. Awesome. (laughs) Uh, Well, I appreciate it, because now you live here in East Texas, right? But you work in Houston. I work the Houston area. Okay. Wow. So that's a, do you go to Houston every day? Not every day. I, you know, I, I look at my caseload and depending on what I have going on, um, that determines whether I have to travel to Houston or not. Okay. All right. Um, so well, I guess, first of all, of course we, you know, we've been talking about human trafficking, of course, and Maria and I have talked uh, a lot, and uh, we had a guest uh, last time from the the Nacogdoches Sheriff's Office uh, talk to us. So I'm just going to kind of start general, and by all means, say whatever you want to say, and then we'll kind of narrow sure. stuff down. Uh, but what do you think the public needs to know about this problem? I mean, what what are one of what's what, some of the things that they you really want the public to know? I think the public needs to know that there is a problem and not pretend like there's no problem. Just because we're not in a bigger city or a bigger metropolitan area doesn't mean that there is not an issue with human trafficking. Uh, I believe we need to teach the public how to identify or get a grasp of what it is that a person that is trafficked uh, I think there's a, a big misconception on what is human trafficking. A lot of people believe, in my experience, that human trafficking is illegals, crossing, things like that. And that's just generalizing trafficking. Sure. Right. Okay. And Well, you know, and one thing I know Maria and I were talking about is human trafficking is a lot different than how it's portrayed in the TV shows and in the movies. You you see somebody getting kidnapped and, uh, like you said, smuggled across the border, and that's not really what we're talking about, right, when we're talking about human trafficking. Correct. Yeah. Um, What are some of the risk factors that you see? What's being used, uh, like, to lure these victims of human trafficking? What either attracts them to it or what do the perpetrators use to get people to come on board? I believe some of the risk factors are these trafficking victims are, are being physically abused. They're being forced to drug addiction because if they're forced to be addicted to drugs, then these people have the power over them. They have to figure out a way to find the money to get that next high, to get mm-hmm. that next um, hit of their drug of choice. And, you know, sexually transmitted disease are some of the risk factors that these trafficking victims 
come across <clears throat> low self-esteem. Um, then if this victim may become unstable in her home or his home, it's not necessarily just she. Right. They're also right. male right. victims. Sure. Uh, some of the things that, that I've, in my experience, that have pimps have lured victims with are, you know, they charm them, buy them, you know, take them to a nail salon, take them to get their hair done, buy them a, a new purse or shoes, become their friend, become someone mm -hmm. that they believe is looking out for them. Um, and then there are some that use that factor of, well, hey, I know you did this. If you don't do this for me, I'm going to go tell your father. I'm going to hurt your father. I'm going to hurt your Kind of family. Black, blackmail them pretty much. Right? Um, and they use force to, to, to lure them yeah. into doing what they need them to do or want them to do. Okay. Do they look for a particular type of person? Is there, is there characteristics of a potential uh, victim that a perpetrator will look for? In my experience, there hasn't been. There's... From low income to higher income people that are involved. Sure. Um, they just, what they look for, I believe, is look for someone that is vulnerable. Mm -hmm. They, if this person, this perpetrator, talks to them and they, they're able to get the person to talk back to them and kind of confide them a little bit, that's how it starts. It's not... You know, whether you live in government housing or you live in a big home, you're, 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 you can be a victim as well. Right, right. Okay. What role do you think does social media play in this? Uh, I would think it probably doesn't help. <laughs> social media plays a big role. It's easier access to, to the perpetrators because they can instantly reach out to these victims mm -hmm. um and social media sometimes glorifies it or these or these perpetrators are able to glorify what their girls or or their people are doing okay. how they're, they're driving big nice cars or they're wearing these big fancy shoes and using these big fancy purses it glor social media can glorify it and that's why i believe that it's a really big issue as as a parent if you don't watch your kids social media um you're running a bigger risk that they are fall to a predator mm -hmm. that is involved with trafficking right and i guess you know some some parents you know well i don't want to interfere in my kids social life and i want them to have some privacy but sometimes now I am not a parent, but I would think being a parent, you kind of have to put your foot down at some point and, you know, look, you're my kid. I am going to be part of, well, <laughs> I'm going to look into your I, I believe, social life a little bit. I believe there's ways to do it. I mean, if you're one of those parents that you don't want to break that trust, uh, that's your phone. You pay the bill. You should have any passwords or anything that that phone has on it, you should be able to have access to it. Do it when they're asleep or when they're not around, you know, pick up the phone and just kind of browse through it. There's 
Mm-hmm. <clears throat> There's millions of apps out there that you can um, use to monitor. And not even just that, you pay the phone bill. Go to your, your phone, cell phone provider mm-hmm. and ask them, hey, I need a printout of these text messages. Or I need a printout of their, you know, uh, web searches or whatever the case may be. And monitor what they're doing because if you don't, they can become a victim of a yeah. predator. Sure. Hold on. Let's turn the mic around. You know, we have one mic that they're sharing, and we're trying to be mindful of social distancing, so we're kind of having to move the microphone back and forth. Go ahead. I don't don't know how easy it is, but I'm assuming it's easy because I hear clients tell me that their perpetrator was actually able to get a record of who she was contacting, who was trying to contact her, who she was texting and everything, and I'm I'm constantly hearing that, so I feel like it's something that can be easily done to ask for those records, right? I, I believe you, as as the person paying the phone bill, that's your your um, your phone. You're able to ask the the fo- cell phone company for these records. How long it takes, you know, I, I can't answer that, but you do have the right to ask for these records. Um, and it's not like a process that you have to go to a judge or they, they, they will provide it for you. There may be a process or a procedure, mm-hmm. but they, by law, they, they should be providing this for you. You know, I think a lot of times, and again, I think Maria and I talked about this before, you know, when you think of human trafficking, I think a lot of people automatically assume it takes place in the big metropolitan urban areas. Uh, They don't think about so much the rural areas like here in East Texas. How big of a problem is it here in East Texas? You know, I I can't answer that directly because I don't work this area. But uh, I do believe there is a problem that because it is a smaller area, I believe a lot of people try to turn a blind eye to it or don't want to know that it's here. Right. Um, If me having been a police officer in this area and doing this full time now have remembered occasions where, hey, that could have been a victim. If there's a chronic runaway, she's running away or he's running away and runs away for two or three days, comes back home, and then that becomes a pattern. They're not just running away because they don't want to be at home. They're running away for a reason, whether it's going to hang out with friends or someone that has uh, befriended them. They're running away for a reason. And if you don't pay attention to things like that, then we'll never, it'll always be a blind eye. Yeah. Well, and that kind of leads to the next thing I was really going to ask is what are signs that someone could look for uh, or somewhat, uh, ways that someone may be able to identify this problem, either if it's not their own child, a, you know, a school teacher or a church, you know, a pastor or, or someone from church, what can they do to kind of maybe see signs that something may be going some on? Of the, some of the... Uh... In my experience, some of the signs that I've uh, come across are the child has changed, totally changed who her friends are, goes from one extreme to the other extreme. Um, She distanced herself from mom and dad or someone that she may, 
her sibling, somebody she's probably close to. Yeah. Um, all of a sudden comes up with money when, when she doesn't, he or she don't work. Uh, a new tattoo. And a tattoo to us means a lot because that could be a mark. That could be a symbol that you belong to a certain person or a certain gang or something like that. You wow. Know? Um, if you don't pay attention to these things, then you'll never know. If you don't pay attention, you'll never really know what's going on. Some of the other ones are the, the chronic runaway, you know, how they start carrying themselves, you know, if they were pretty quiet before, now all of a sudden they're very outgoing and, you know, listen to a different type of music or a different type of people that they hang around mm -hmm. with. That's a, that's a big one that I've come across is they all of a sudden they changed who they were. Uh, I just thought that she became more open. She, I just thought that she was more social yeah. now or he. And that's a big uh, identifier to me. Mm -hmm. uh, I guess, you know, what you were saying kind of made me think, you know, probably, and you may have seen this even working in Houston, a lot of parents just may be in denial. Well, my kid would never do anything like this. You know, they've come from a good home. Um, no matter what a kid does, you know, if, if they're stealing something or right. whatever, my kid wouldn't do that. And a lot and of that, parents may be surprised. I've come across that quite a bit. It, the parent is in denial. They're like, well, no, somebody, it, somebody else is not my kid. <clears throat> but that's why these kids are able to, to get away with it for so long because the parent is not willing to accept the fact that there's a change. They're not willing to look into it because they're afraid that, you know, they're going to break that trust that they have with that child. But as a parent, me as being as a parent, whether I break the trust or not, I want to know what's going sure. on. Sure, exactly. I want to know why you're behaving different. I want to know why you have a different set of friends. I want to know where where you get this purse from or where'd you get these shoes from mm -hmm. if I didn't buy them for, for you. Uh, and being in the business is one of the biggest key factors to identifying this as a parent. Uh, as the public, general public, a teacher, or maybe a pastor at school, their behavior, their demeanor, you know, who they're hanging out with, um, any marks on, on their body, whether it's a bruise or, or a tattoo or anything like that, those are some of the things that you, you should be looking out for. Uh, on a victim. Mm -hmm. What can be done? I mean, and, and you probably already kind of gone over this. I know um, you said you're really not familiar with the problem itself in East Texas, but what would you tell people listening that are here in East Texas? I mean, what can they do? I, I think as a member of this community, I think, our leaders, our Family Crisis Center, Harold's House, I think we all need to get together and open forum, say, hey, look, I, I believe they, there could be a problem. If we don't identify it at, from Harold's House and 
we're not all working together, whether it's Lufkin PD, Sheriff's Office, or, mm -hmm. or whoever it may be, then we'll never be able to get the data to show that there is a problem. Um, and getting, in, in, in my area where I work, the pastures, uh, the WIC office, emergency room people, um, food stamp people, they all are included in the MDT meetings and, you know, monthly meetings where, hey, this is what we found. This is what we mm -hmm. see. This is what, what's going on. Hey, I came across this. What do y'all think? What can we do or should we address it? <clears throat> and it's a big group of people that are in different job areas, whether it's, you know, uh, the church or, or, or a government office or anything like that. It's everyone working together to attack and address this this issue or this problem that that we have in the community. Right, right. And I know, go ahead, Maria. And I know Maria's working on getting together a coalition to maybe address this. Yeah, and so we are planning on launching it in February where we can have the community, not just law enforcement or just Harold Salzer Family Christ Center, but like people from clinics, people from WIG, food stamps, churches. Um, we're trying to include as many people as we can that are interested in being a part of this so that way we can address this problem and start identifying because I noticed that when um, – we were interviewed for like human trafficking, like the signs of it and everything. There was a spike that I saw here. Like we got four survivors in like two weeks, which I know in Harris County, that may not be a whole lot, but here that was right. a lot. Like we never saw that. So I'm sure that once we launch this coalition and we start educating the community and then actually coming together and seeing like this is what we saw and everything, I feel like we're going to start seeing, we're going to start identifying these survivors even more. Um, yeah. I do know that, the DPS, um, they, they've had a program going on for quite a while where their guys are, they pull over someone, they, they're able to identify or uh, at least try to address the trafficking issue. And like, like Maria said, it has to come from everyone. It can't just be one, you know, it can't just be the crisis center. It can't just be the wake off is doing it. It's got to be everyone doing yeah, it together right. to, to address this issue. I believe there there is an issue. It's, I'm sure it's not as big as the Houston area, but whether it's one or two, that's too many sure. to me. Yeah. You know, um, and some of these, the other thing is some of these victims don't know who they can outcry to. They don't know who they can go to. And therein lies another problem is, hey, I have, this is going on with me, but who's going to help me? Mm -hmm. There's no government agency that is dedicated solely to, to, to addressing this problem. There is coalitions, there is groups out there that have been formed, but, you know, we have the FBI, we have ATF, we have uh, TABC, and all those groups, DEA, those are all directed at a certain issue, but we don't have anything that is directly addressing the human trafficking problem that we mm -hmm. have. Okay. Um, well, we're kind of getting close to wrapping things up. I know before we started recording, you mentioned uh, 
a group. Oh, uh, yes. The, uh, uh, Deliver Fund is a yeah. group that you can look them up. I, I have no association with them. And what are they called again? Deliver Fund. Okay. Deliver Fund is a, a, a great group of people that are, have formed a enormous group to train. They train, what they do is they train uh, law enforcement agencies for free uh, on how to address the issue or how to, you know, how to identify traf- human trafficking. And they are a great resource for a lot of the smaller agencies that don't have the funding to, to send their officers to training. Uh, <clears throat> and they're a great resource for anyone that is in the uh, human trafficking area to be able to identify or who to look out for and things like that. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. I was wanting to ask you, what got you involved? Okay, you have a law enforcement background. Yes, you used, used to work in this, in East I, Texas, I worked here, right? and I worked in South Texas in the McAllen, uh, Browns, well, McAllen uh, Mission area. And that's what kind of got me started in this, is there's there was a lot of it over there. And then when I moved over here, well, this is my hometown. I'm, I'm from this area. And when this position came up, I put in for it, and I, okay, I was granted the position. All right. Well, hey, I appreciate it. Uh, thank, thank you so much uh, for for coming in. And is it, is it Special Agent Robles? No, is it Officer Robles? It's special Investigator. Ooh, okay. <laughs> special Investigator uh, Lazar Robles again from the Department of Family and Protective Services. Thanks a lot. Thank I you. I really appreciate it. Uh, if you have any comments or questions about today's episode of Conversations and Connections, you can email us. That email is conversationsandconnections at fccet.com. Also, if you feel like you need any of the Family Crisis Center's services or, again, maybe want more information about uh, the issue of human trafficking, we do have a 24-hour, 7-day-a-week hotline number. That number is one 800 828 7233. That's 1-800-828-7233. I'm Stuart Burson. Thanks for listening. And remember, be the voice, if not for you, for someone else.